Hey there, folks. Ethan here. We know you're missing the regular long-form episodes, but we've got a lot of exciting content coming up soon, so we're not quite ready to return to those. But we did want to share this exciting interview with Kudret Ozersai, the former foreign minister of the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus. The TRNC, as it's known, has existed as a de facto independent state since 1983, but is today recognized by just a single UN member state, Turkey. We'll talk about what it was like to live through the island's violent partition in 1974, his experience representing an unrecognized state on the world stage and in negotiating rooms, and how the Cyprus problem might finally be resolved. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Kudret. Thanks for joining me. Hi. Thank you for your invitation. Of course. So I, I usually don't start this way, but I want to ask you about your childhood. You know, you were you were born just a year before the island of Cyprus was partitioned in 1974. What do you remember about those times? Well, I mean, uh, I was six months old in 1974, uh, less than one year. And it was a kind of a trauma, I must say, because I lost almost all the male uh, person in my family, including my father. Uh, they were all executed uh, as part of the armed conflict between the Greek Cypriots and the Turkish Cypriots. Uh, and for many years, more than 30 years, we were unable to have their uh, body back. Therefore, they were missing persons for many years. But after uh, some uh, work conducted by the bicommunal uh, missing persons committee uh, the, uh, and exhumations, they were found. And finally, some years later, after three decades, uh, we, the families, were able to bury them, uh, basically. So that was a trauma. Uh, and to be honest, at that age, uh, it was not possible for me to remember something. But the things that we hear from our family, we were actually affected persons of uh, the Cyprus conflict, not only me as the Turkish Cypriot, but also the Greek Cypriots. And I acknowledge that. So uh, everywhere, uh, armed conflict and war is not something good, and it affects the civilians, maybe, uh, most, uh, most of all. So we lost our property uh, in the south. We left our village in the south. We lost our family members during the conflict. And altogether, all the remaining members of the family, we moved to the northern part of the island. So uh, we left our house there. Some Greek Cypriots started to use our houses, and we, we came to north, and we started to use the house of another Greek Cypriot. So uh, it, it was a complicated, uh, traumatic thing for both communities in Cyprus, for both Turkish Cypriots and Greek Cypriots. How, how does it feel that you're unable to visit the town you were born in? Well, um, in fact, because my childhood was mainly uh, in the north, I didn't have that feeling. But for my mom, uh, there was that type of a, a bad feeling. But of course, because her husband was uh, executed there, she was not that willing to go back to the village anyway. All these things affected the characteristics uh, and the personality of many people uh, in Cyprus. So there are thousands of affected persons, both Greek Cypriots and, and Turkish Cypriots uh, in Cyprus. And I am one of them. 
unfortunately. <laughs> Fair to say that the the trauma of those years continue to impact efforts to resolve the conflict today, right? Yeah, that's one aspect and uh, one of the important aspects, that's for sure, because it uh, contributes or it shapes the way the communities perceive and understand uh, the conflict itself or some of the important subject matters of the conflict. Uh, so uh, uh, the way you interpret it is not objective. It is something subjective uh, shaped based on your traumas. That's for sure. You've had a fascinating and wide-ranging wide career, and I'd like to use your experiences to, to guide our conversation here. The first part of your CV, which must be 25 pages long, that I'd like to discuss is your time as foreign minister. Uh, what's it like to be the Northern Cypriot foreign minister? I mean, you're representing a country that's recognized by just a single UN member state, Turkey. Correct. What kind of diplomatic work can you do? Well, uh, of course, it was an honor. Uh, after all these difficulties in my life, reaching to that level uh, as a result of a political struggle, forming a political party and ending up with uh, a member of the cabinet, and the foreign minister, because my education was uh, diplomacy, foreign relations, and international relations, and uh, all those theoretical things, uh, you had the opportunity to uh, implement them, uh, put them into practice, but of course in a limited sense, uh, simply because what you have said, uh, Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus is uh, recognized only by Turkey. It is, it is an unrecognized state. And sometimes, because of the general understanding of international community, it is uh, not treated as an unrecognized state, something less than uh, that, a kind of an entity. There is one advantage here, uh, which I also used, and that was that uh, although it is unrecognized, because you are one of the conflicting party of an international dispute, which is the Cyprus conflict, uh, uh, different countries accept you uh, and tries to uh, hear your voice as well, uh, your position as well. So as the foreign minister, not with my official uh, title, I was invited to the White House, for example, hmm. and I had a meeting with a, uh, one of the top senior advisor to uh, Trump, uh, for example, Fiona Hill, and we had a long discussions and meetings with her, for example. But she didn't accept me as the foreign minister. She did accept me as one of the Turkish Cypriot elective, uh, elected person, but it doesn't matter. So I was able to explain my position to her as well. But we had some serious difficulties because of this non-recognition. I would like to share with you one of my very interesting experience during the COVID-19 period, because I was... Uh, not only the foreign minister, but also the deputy prime minister at the same time. Therefore, we took serious measures about uh, the entry conditions to our country during the COVID-19 period, uh, serious uh, measures. Uh, but although uh, we tried and we insisted to share uh, all the data we had about the COVID-19, uh, and although this was a universal problem, which was directly related to global governance uh, in general, uh, unfortunately, the World, World Health Organization did not accept the data we sent. That was something 
disappointing for me as the foreign minister, but at the same time as an academic who's teaching in the class that there is a need for global governance. Yeah. Well, Kudret, I mean, I think the impression in, in the wider world is that the TRNC diplomatic apparatus is essentially an extension of Turkey's diplomacy. How important was it for you to, in your work, push back against that impression? Well, uh, one thing is very clear. I mean, although there is such a political perception, uh, as you describe, uh, the reality is that uh, the, the fact that we are politically, economically, culturally, uh, we are dependent on Turkey is not our choice. It was the circumstances created by the international community and the Greek Cypriot site as well. We didn't give any other option to integrate into the world in general, uh, and we've refused it. On the contrary, in the existing circumstances, assume for a moment that you are a parent of a child and you want your children to go educate uh, education, higher education in UK or in Germany. Uh, uh, until very recently, it was not possible for you to uh, uh, travel uh, directly to those countries. And currently as well, we are uh, flying via Turkey, for example, or financial contribution mainly coming from Turkey. No one supported any international projects uh, good uh, for public interest purposes in North Cyprus. So uh, the factual situation of political and economic dependence on Turkey was not the choice of the Turkish Cypriots. Therefore, Turkish Cypriots cannot and should not be accused of being dependent on Turkey. This is one element. And secondly, if you look at the Cyprus conflict, uh, under the auspices of the United Nations Secretary General, the negotiations have been continuing since 1968. And it is not continuing uh, uh, between Turkey and Republic of Cyprus and so on and so forth. It is ongoing between the leaders of the two communities. Therefore, uh, in this conflict, one of the main conflicting parties is the Turkish Cypriot side. Therefore, the will of the Turkish Cypriot side, either it is re uh, represented by the president or represented by its foreign minister, is the will of the Turkish Cypriot side, which is important for uh, the United Nations as well. Yeah. In that sense, uh, it shouldn't be, uh, in a way, you know, um, underestimated. The, the tension seems to me to be that Northern Cypriots are recognized as parties during negotiations over the conflict, but not recognized as a party to other international bodies. Exactly. Or, or yes, you're right. You're right. Well, so let, let's talk about, uh, we've talked a bit about the Cyprus conflict. It's referred by many names, the Cyprus question, the Cyprus problem. Yeah, issue. Uh, the, yeah, every, every word <laughs> under the sun. I mean, but before we get into your experience uh, leading the Turkish Cypriot side in negotiations, and, and to try to understand your personal preference uh, for the, the questions settlement. What is the Cyprus problem? I mean, help us define it, and what are its roots? It's a big um, question. Yeah, I think the Cyprus problem, uh, although it is known differently, it's, it's not a problem between Turkish Cypriots and Greek Cypriots on this island. Uh, it's not a problem only between the two communities. It is an international conflict. But it, it, 
it originated as a it originated as a conflict over issues like political power sharing and and sovereignty, right? I mean, well, even before that, as you know, that uh, there was a competition uh, uh, took place between different actors uh, between the United Kingdom, between Turkey, uh, and uh, even during the Ottoman period. Therefore, it's not it did not start in 1950s by the end of 1950s or 1960s. Yes, in 1960, there was a kind of a decolonization, just like uh, the case uh, in Africa, and Republic of Cyprus was created. But I, I um, uh, simplify it by saying that we had a marriage, okay? Turkish Cypriots and Greek Cypriots, that was a marriage. Uh, and uh, we had some difficulties, not only because the difficulties uh, of the differences between the two communities, their identity, their religion, their language, their nationality, and, and so on and so forth, but also because of the involvement of uh, the family members, the families uh, as well. We ended up with uh, daily disputes. So we decided to uh, separate. So there was a separation, but unfortunately there was no divorce. That is the problem. Now, uh, after 1964, can you imagine? I mean, we created a federation, we made a marriage, and it collapsed. Uh, after 1964, uh, officially we did not divorce, but there was a separation. And we started to live outside the house. They got the house, which was the Republic of Cyprus, and we are out. And we tried to build a kind of a shed in the garden. This is the TRNC. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? This is something like that. So uh, if I may simplify uh, that. And now for the last 50 years, more than 50 years, we have been trying to remarry again or, or renew our marriage, let's say, uh, based on our concerns, our fears, our traumas, and so on and so forth. And again, together with the concerns, expectations, and interests of our families. Well, so so, what's your preferred solution to this question of uh, uh, reunification, getting getting everyone back together under one roof? There's been the Annan Plan, named after former UN Secretary General Kofi Annan, that sought to create a, a bizonal federated republic on the island. Bi I guess by two houses. Uh, yes. That was the idea. Two houses on the same lot. That was the main idea. Two constituent states uh, forming federal Cyprus uh, yep. uh, as a roof, as you said. Uh, that was the idea, but that didn't work either because in the separate simultaneous referenda, the Greek Cypriot side rejected that. Although the Turkish Cypriot accepted, uh, the document was, was uh, deemed as null and void and collapsed. And can you imagine, just after such a rejection of the Greek Cypriot side, the Greek Cypriot ruled Republic of Cyprus was accepted into the European Union as the full member of the European Union. So, yes, I definitely, want to, yeah. I definitely want to get to that. Yeah. I definitely want to get to that. I mean, but just talking through these potential solutions, we, we, we talk about the bizonal two houses on the same lot. We talk about uh, a fully unified island, yeah. everyone living together under the same roof, returning to their communities that they lived in before uh, uh, the island was partitioned. There are two state solutions. In your mind, what's the most realistic and best solution? 
I think uh, one thing is clear. Generally, outsiders are uh, referring to the UN Security Council resolutions, and by, uh, they are saying that, well, there are too many UN Security Council resolutions calling for bicommunal, bizonal, federal uh, Cyprus. Therefore, this has to be the basis of the solution of the Cyprus conflict, which I disagree, because we tried a federal solution. It failed. Uh, we tried to establish another federation for another 50 years. The uh, struggle to create another federation failed. Now there is no negotiation. And if we continue to uh, establish a similar type of a thing which has already been uh, collapsed, uh, I think it will take another 50 years. We wanted to try to find a federation, but now the situation is different. The, now, one party is asking two-state uh, solution. The other party, the Greek Cypriot side, asks the federal solution. Therefore, as long as the Greek Cypriot side fails to convince the Turkish Cypriot side for federal solution, and as long as the Turkish Cypriot side fails to convince the Greek Cypriot side for two-state solution, there is no point for negotiation. This is the understanding of the Secretary General now. And uh, it says that there is no shared common ground to start the negotiation. Are you, saying that, are you saying that a two-state solution here is the most realistic? Or are, are you saying that it's the best? Or are I'm, you saying it's both? I am saying that uh, any solution, uh, in any solution, the parties has to convince the other side. Therefore, uh, the two-state solution is possible in Cyprus as long as it uh, includes the logic of peaceful coexistence on this island, I believe. It is also reasonable, but as long as we are willing to uh, satisfy the Greek Cypriot side as well, convince them as well, what are we going to suggest them uh, for two-state solution? What will be uh, in their favor in this picture? We have to describe it, and then we uh, will be in a position to negotiate it. Our understanding is that, my personal view is that, uh, to jump into a partnership or a marriage, as I uh, described, uh, without a preparation uh, or transitional period or evolutionary period, it's very risky. What we need is to find alternative ways of cooperating in the field of energy, in the field of education, in the field of natural gas, in the field of environment, uh, illegal migration, and so on and so forth on this island. Uh, and this can be a kind of a modus vivendi, a transitional arrangement, which will not cause recognition of TRNC, which will not cause upgrading the status of this and that. Uh, we are able to resolve some of the problems through cooperation. And I believe that this is something which will create interdependence between the uh, two sides. And gradually, as an evolutionary process, we can then be able to create a kind of partnership. What is that a kind of partnership? It doesn't uh, necessarily has to be something like federation, confederation, two-state solution. That is the end of the movie. We, I mean, we need to seize the moment and cooperate now, build that mutual trust, uh, produce something together, and only in that case, a marriage can be a successful marriage. 
Today's show is sponsored by Babbel. Going on vacation is great, but exploring the world like a local is even better. And not speaking the language is no longer an excuse. Babbel offers 10-minute lessons designed by real language experts focused on conversational skills in 14 languages so you can learn a language in three weeks and board your next flight abroad with confidence. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more. Let's talk about some obstacles to, to this trust-building exercise that you're talking about. On your side of the island, people point to the ROC, the Republic of Cyprus's membership in the European Union as a limiting factor. What You mentioned it too. What's the logic there? Well, first point is the unfairness uh, itself. Because can you imagine international community encourage you, encourages you invites you to say yes in the referendum, accept the UN settlement plan, then uh, you will be part of the world and so on and so forth. And you accept, uh, your counterpart rejects it, and uh, they are given a kind of an award. They are now member of the European Union, and they are able to prevent the EU process of, the, uh, of Turkey as well. I know that Turkey has its own domestic problems of democracy and so on and so forth, uh, but still, the uh, accession process of Turkey into the European Union is blocked by the Greek Cypriot side, which is one of the negative elements uh, affecting the perception of the Turkish Cypriots about the Greek Cypriots and their EU membership. And secondly, EU and some of its institutions are, of course, has to take into consideration the position of their member state. And the Republic of Cyprus although it is administered only by Greek Cypriots, represents the view of Greek Cypriots, but uh, in an international conflict, in a conflict, in a Cyprus conflict, only one of the conflicting parties' view is taken into consideration by the European Union because there is solidarity between the member states. So it, it is not seen by the Turkish Cypriots as a kind of honest broker. Yeah. Well, well Kudret, on the other side, people would say that uh, the ongoing presence of Turkish soldiers, about 40,000 of them, uh, and, and Turkish President Erdogan promised to increase the size of the force. Some people would say that that's a destabilizing factor, an obstacle to peace. How would you respond? To be honest, if you look at the number of armed conflict after 1974, uh, you yourself can answer this question. The stability was... Uh, established after 1974. And we did not argue in the past that uh, this number of uh, armed forces should stay on this island. Different formulas we worked on, and we said yes in the Annan plan to gradually decrease the number and keep it with more, less than 1,000, basically. Had they accepted the Annan plan today, the number uh, could have been uh, less than 1,000. Can you imagine that? What I'm trying is, to is say that real, is that... Is that realistic to uh, expect the, the, the Greek Cypriot community to, to accept uh, a Turkish military presence of any kind on their sovereign territory? Okay, another question linked to that. Is that realistic to accept the Turkish Cypriots to leave the Greek Cypriots to have the dominant position, uh, which was the case in 1964 and just before 1974, Ask this question to me as someone who lost his father and most of the males in the family because of the armed conflict, because of the Greek Cypriot domination. That requires, I mean, we need well, a kind of a 
a balanced security arrangement on this island because of those traumas. Yeah, that's 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 fair. I'm not disagree. You know, I'm, no, I, I, don't I understand your question, but there I, is this aspect. You're two coin, two sides of the coin. Right. I, I mean, but I heard you say earlier that conditions on the ground have changed. I, I think the the invasion in 1974 was responding to uh, the belligerence of the Greek government, which was run at that point by that a military There was a military junta. coup d'etat conducted by the Greek government in 1974. Today, today the yeah. Greek government is a relatively stable democracy. I mean, do, do members of the Turkish Cypriot community still worry that uh, uh, a bizonal confederation of some kind or a unified island could ultimately lead to conflict, intercommunal conflict. But the difference is, in 1974, it was not uh, the Greek uh, armed forces who executed the Turkish Cypriots. It was uh, the Greek Cypriots' uh, military uh, elements who ex executed the Turkish Cypriots. Therefore, one cannot say that, well, now the Greece is okay, Greece is fine, uh, there is democracy there, and there is no such risk about safety or security of the Turkish Cypriots. That's mm. not the uh, situation right. on the ground. But one thing is clear, yes, circumstances, still exist. Yes, circumstances have changed. Uh, therefore, if you manage to gradually create a kind of a cooperation between two sides, uh, I believe that at one stage, uh, a kind of a demilitarization process can start between the parties gradually and parallel to each other. That is another aspect which will help uh, the future mutual trust to be created. I'm not saying that this situation should not change, but uh, what I was referring was that as part of a comprehensive settlement, Turkish Cypriots accepted a, a reduction of this force as suggested by the international community, United Nations, as part of a peace deal. But it was with, rejected. With the Turkish Cypriot, with the Turkish Cypriot accept a situation where Turkey is no longer a security guarantor for the northern Cypriot? Why should Saudi they? Island? Why do you think that uh, they should? Because we are not talking about a political choice here, but in, instead we are talking about a, a right which is deriving from an international treaty. In 1960, a treaty was concluded, more than one treaties, which was my PhD thesis. One was the Treaty of Guarantee, uh, and a right derives from the Treaty of Guarantee uh, being a guarantor. And even Greece today calls herself as the guarantor of Cyprus. There has to be a balance between these things. Let's look at the wider world. Is Northern Cyprus, you're not in government, but is Northern Cyprus <laughs> God, I'm not. currently... Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I was going to say, you, you, look, uh, you look much younger than you did a, a few years ago. Uh, are, there, are there normalization agreements going on or negotiations going on between Northern Cyprus and, and Russia right now, um, to the best of your knowledge? I think from the international uh, uh, developments perspective, uh, world uh, 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 developments in the world in general, I can say that uh, until very recently, there was an increasing influence and penetration of Russian Federation in Cyprus, but mainly in South Cyprus. The Russian oligarchs, their uh, investments, their bank accounts in the offshore banks in the South Cyprus 
really disturbed uh, the West and particularly the United States. And it ended yeah, up. Well, we've seen those. We've seen those links mostly eliminated, right? And that that's why we to saw a the Biden certain administration. Extent, yes, because uh, with the Biden administration and with some uh, steps taken, like U.S. decided to lift the arms embargo to the Greek Cypriot side. Can you imagine that? You are talking about right because number- because they agreed to uh, abide by the sanctions regime against yeah, exactly. Russia. Exactly, there was a give and take there. And but on the other side, uh, one of the conflicting party in the island of Cyprus is given the opportunity to buy the uh, ammunition and the weapons from uh, United States uh, for global purposes and the global aims of the United States in order to prevent the Russian penetration. Uh, the Greek Cypriot side accepted not to allow the warships of Russia to visit the ports in South anymore, for example. Or the Greek Cypriot side accept, accepted in return uh, to cooperate uh, in the field of money laundering, fighting against money laundering with the United States, for example. Therefore, uh, we see these type of developments. Uh, and uh, just like in the Greek Cypriot side, uh, in the north, there, there is an increasing number of Russian citizens buying property, settling here. And this is, a, uh, this is also a kind of a, a policy choice of uh, Russia, I believe. Uh, but despite all these measures taken by the West together with the Greek Cypriot side, I think there is still a very important uh, strength and the influence of the uh, Russian Federation in the Greek Cypriot side because there are some joint ventures uh, of the church with the Moscow church uh, some investments, some factories, some uh, money laundering still ongoing, despite it is part of the European Union. Therefore, uh, it seems that in near future, uh, this will be one of the main uh, important factor. Right, uh, United States will focus on uh, keeping Russia and China as well uh, outside Eastern Mediterranean and outside the island of Cyprus. But there is one practical way of achieving that. And this is what I would like to suggest. Recently, in the Middle East, United States uh, took an initiative and brought together some of uh, uh, US allies together, Israel and the Gulf countries together, a kind of a normalization through the Abraham Accords, as you know, and a kind of a deal reached between Lebanon and Israel And the main logic there was to keep Russia outside uh, and uh, bring the potential allies together and help them to cooperate, particularly with the facilitation provided by the energy companies. Because Lebanon does not recognize Israel. Israel does not recognize Lebanon. But they sit and negotiate with the facilitation of the U.S. and energy companies a kind of a maritime delimitation agreement. Therefore, cooperation with the help of United States uh, between the potential U.S. allies in the Eastern Mediterranean is the best choice that can work now for the future of Cyprus and for the national interests of the United States as well. Therefore, I think in order to minimize the effect of Russian uh, Federation in North Cyprus, uh, although you cannot uh, prevent the people to come and buy and settle, basically, uh, is to help the Turkish Cypriots 
to cooperate with the Greek Cypriots and Israel and Turkey in the field of electricity, energy, natural gas, uh, and uh, some solar panels uh, project is there, and, and also through the pipelines. Because such an interdependence situation here will help the United States to achieve stability in the Eastern Mediterranean. There is one risk no one talks about it. Syria is the best ally of Russia, as you know. And Syria is the only country who did not so far identify and delimit its maritime zones in the Eastern Mediterranean. But when the time comes with the normalization of the Syrian regime, now it is accepted again back to the Arab League, Syria will announce those areas in the sea, and most probably the gas from the Russian company will come and invest there. Therefore, we will see another presence of Russian Federation in the Eastern Mediterranean. Therefore, it's, it's very time and it's very important for the U.S. to take an initiative to bring the parties to cooperate both on the island and around the island as soon as possible. This is my so, opinion. So you didn't quite answer the question. Are you saying, is, is the TRNC government using its deepening relations with Russia as a negotiating tactic in order no, to because TRNC government attention from no, the West? Uh, I didn't say that, and I'm not saying that, because TRNC government does not have such a contact with the uh, Russian uh, government. Uh, but one thing is uh, clear and everyone can make his or her own assessment uh, on it, and that is the Turkish foreign policy. Uh, Turkey follows a foreign policy which does not exclude totally Russian Federation because Turkey says that Russia is an important actor in this region. I cannot just ignore and stop dialogue or apply the sanctions against Russia and so on and so forth. I am at a very critical geographic location and I have to uh, facilitate the dialogue between Russia and the West and help the grain deal to continue and so on and so forth. This is a, a kind of a policy that Turkey is trying to uh, uh, strike a fair balance. It's not an easy job, I know that. There are some criticism in Washington. I'm following very closely the think tank uh, uh, organizations. Uh, but uh, I think based on the bitter experience Turkey had in the past, Turkey is trying to reformulate its foreign policy. I believe that it has not been fixed yet. It is still in the process of reshaping. Kudret, last question. We, we haven't seen any serious negotiations since the Kranz-Montana uh, dialogue fell through in 2017. Are you optimistic that negotiations could restart soon? I think... Um, if there is not common understanding about the ultimate aim, the basis, negotiations can serve only for conflict management purpose, not conflict resolution. Uh, therefore, I believe that there has to be a representative uh, facilitating that dialogue between the parties, uh, and it should have two functions, or there has to be two parallel processes. One is to try to find a common basis between the parties, and if and when that basis is found, beginning of the official negotiations. Uh, and as I said at the beginning, 
This can be something in between the federation and the two-state solution, or a, a great bargaining and opening by one side to convince the other that federation is acceptable, or to convince the other side that the two-state is acceptable. Uh, we need a gradual evolutionary model, and this is the second uh, parallel process which we need, I believe, and that is cooperation, cooperation, cooperation between the parties. Not between the two states, not between the two communities, cooperation between the Turkish Cypriots, Greek Cypriots, and also Israel, Turkey, and the other actors. And we need an initiative. Uh, and I believe that because of the reasons I explained, that initiative will come uh, from the United States or from the West. Uh, and a representative will facilitate that dialogue. Sometimes you may need behind the curtain negotiations for these type of things, but it will not end up with the recognition of one uh, Turkey, the Republic of Cyprus. It will not end up with the recognition of Greek Cypriot side of the TRNC. It will be a kind of a transitional deal, a modus vivendi between the parties until the ultimate or final settlement is found. This is what we need. Okay, let me ask you. Let me ask you just one last really, really quick last. question. I know okay. we're over time, but <laughs> but uh, are you seeing those parties interested in negotiating? I mean, would Erdogan, given his mistrust of the EU and of the West as it currently exists, would he be willing to restart those negotiations on anything less than a two-state solution? If you look at the current situation. Current state of affairs between Greece and Turkey, you can see a positive agenda approach. Uh, they accepted and they decided next month uh, high level meetings for confidence building measures between the two uh, motherland countries. So, since Greece and Turkey, uh, even in the absence of a European perspective or accession process, since Greece and Turkey can start confidence-building measures in the field of tourism, in the field of energy, and so on and so forth, despite their uh, dispute continues on sovereignty-related sovereignty issues like maritime zones, why not in this island, Turkish Cypriots and uh, Greek Cypriots cannot start that type of a confidence-building cooperation activity despite the ongoing nature of the uh, sovereignty conflict? It is possible. And I think... Most recent visit of the Prime Minister of Greece to South Cyprus uh, was aiming at encouraging the Greek Cypriot leader to accept this logic. Uh, don't insist on immediate and, uh, you know, federal solution now. Let's uh, start from somewhere. And at one point, maybe it will help him facilitate the negotiations to start. Okay. Well, I have so many more questions I wish I could ask you. <laughs> Next but time. I'll let you go. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you so Thank much. you so much for coming Thank you on. so much for giving me this opportunity. And that's going to do it for me. Cyprus is one of my favorite issues to learn about. The regional dynamics, the way the EU memberships of both Greece and the Republic of Cyprus limit their incentives to negotiate. And of course, the ongoing Turkish military presence on the island. It, it all seems so intractable. And yet to hear Kudret talk about it, there's good reason to be optimistic. If you like this show, please feel free to leave us a rating and a review wherever you're listening to it. In the meantime, I'm Ethan Plotkin. See you on Tuesday.